Hello and welcome to the PR Moment podcast. Uh, today we have with us Rekha Rao, who is the Managing Director of Zeno India. Welcome, Rekha. Thank you so much, Parul. It is so lovely to be talking to you. And thank you so much for giving me this opportunity with PR Moment. And I am looking forward to our conversation today. Uh, Rekha, given the fact that you specialize in not only consumer PR, but also purpose-led uh, PR for brands, uh, what do you see emerging as uh, the trends in PR post-pandemic? I know it's a bit of a global question, but would love your take on uh, what trends do you see observing for PR after the pandemic? So I think two things that are dominating uh, our lives in terms of our corporate conversations is, of course, one is uh, diversity, equity and inclusion, which is one of the biggest focus areas for, uh, I think, global corporates and Indian corporates and, of course, agencies as well, wherever applicable. And the other aspect is a focus on purpose-led uh, communications, yes, but also in the broader context of ESG. So uh, today, if you see the, the trend of having ESG as part of our corporate uh, conversation of how to build their equity with uh, consumers is, is very high. And DE&I as a policy which, uh, which, which gives equal opportunities to employees and looking at opportunities, equal, equality from a multiple dimension and lens. Uh, is, is I think uh, the two aspects of uh, post-pandemic focus where people and purpose and organizational, uh, you know, credibility, authenticity in communications are coming into play. That is, uh, that is uh, wonderful to hear. Uh, especially, I would like to uh, know from you, Rekha, during, during your work, uh, especially uh, when it comes to ESG, do you see there is a growing need for ESG communication specifically? And are people at the board level uh, you know, conscious now that this is something which is increasingly, uh, which should be reported uh, and measured? So I think, uh, see, when, when it comes to the board or when it comes to the high level decision making, one would definitely want to do things which are uh, stakeholder worthy and which give benefit to the stakeholders. With the entire focus of the financial world also measuring, uh, you know, companies on basis of their ESG commitments and even the Nifty or the, uh, you know, BSE showing those uh, metrics in terms of how companies which actually have ESG commitments are uh, performing better and are showing more promise in terms of green stocks as well. So all of these aspects definitely uh, have a board level uh, significance and a board level attention to the concept of ESG, which is where when it comes down, yes, there is. And, and if that is right at the top, right at the bottom is who are we talking to? Who are the people that we wish to engage with? If you look at the, if, if you look at the, um, you know, either you look at them as consumers or you look at them as your young employees, the people who are going to be coming and working for these companies or the people that are going to be selling the products or the services or, or our technologies or whatever too, are people who belong to a generation that is asking for accountability and they're asking for responsible behavior from corporates. So when the top knows that this is a stakeholder-led uh, benefit, which, which is definitely going to impact how their stocks are viewed in the long run, and at the base of it is the entire mass of people who belong to a certain generation who are woke and who are looking at organizations being authentic, responsible, and living up to the promise and the purpose that they have, uh, you know, th th that they stand for, it is, it is ESG definitely has become an important aspect. And more and more corporates are paying attention to looking beyond just a metric of sustainability or looking beyond just uh, CSR and trying to integrate it into a larger conversation that packages uh, not only uh, the environment, uh, the social impact, but also uh, looking at governance, because that is where believability or trustworthiness 
comes into play. So definitely, Parul, ESG is uh, a very important aspect of corporate and uh, people behavior. Uh, coming to a previous interview that PR Moment had done a couple of years back with Babi uh, Sagal, who's the CEO of uh, Zeno Group. At that point, she had said, and I'm referring it, referring clearly that that was that's an old interview, but she had said that Zeno was going to go in for in inorganic growth through acquisition. Is that still an approach that is uh, valid for India? So acquisitions are part of Zeno's broader strategic approach to growth. However, we are mindful of whom we partner with, uh, you know, because uh, we are uncompromising when it comes to our culture and our values. Uh, also, we'd like to evaluate and consider only those opportunities that are strategically additive because you know, they have to add on to what we already, uh, you know, are working on. We, 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 we do offer a lot of uh, additional services which just go beyond traditional PR. So if you're looking at a strategic partner, what is the strategic partner bringing in that is going to add on to what we already do as Zeno, whether locally or globally? Uh, so Zeno is definitely on an impressive growth journey. And uh, we are spearheading the ongoing transformation of our business in India as well. Uh, the last two years, the way we've conducted our business, most agencies, in fact, how we've conducted our business, and then post those two years, how we have to conduct our business looking forth of the trends that are there with regards to flexi work and et cetera, et cetera, all of them putting together how we look at those uh, in terms of running our business uh, henceforth. It is it is very important that, uh, you know, uh, that that we look at adding unique value to our clients and we, we add more robust specialist capabilities and we bring them integrated solutions because, again, that is the essence of uh, Zeno's existence, that we are an uh, integrated marketing firms agency. And how do we bring these solutions that support the ambition of our clients to lead the industry forward? So we will be taking it slow and uh, we would want to be meticulous in terms of the kind of a choice that we make uh, when it comes to acquisitions. Okay, so it's a, not a no as yet, but a wait and watch approach. It is a wait and watch, wait and consider and very, very carefully evaluate. You talked about uh, adding uh, different skills and different uh, specialities. So can you give us an idea of what kind of specialities do you think uh, Zeno would be looking at adding? Uh, we uh, are very focused on uh, D&I, uh, ESG. Uh, we use data and analytics in multiple ways and we've been using it uh, practically in terms of you know the way we counsel our clients, with the way we draw the strategy plan for our clients. Uh, in addition to that, I think uh, Web3 is, again, a very interesting and a very promising space for communication professionals to look out on. So Zeno is already looking at metaverse and we're already looking at NFTs and trying to see that how can we build uh, these into our communication strategies? How can we build our ideas around these as well? Uh, so these are all some of the things that uh, we have started practicing, implementing and uh, working with some of our clients on. Uh, thank you, Rekha. Shifting to uh, shifting gears a little bit towards the more personal side of you as a leader, uh, could you share with us your personal journey in communications and the, maybe the top two or three lessons that you have learned which would be useful for the wider communication community? So uh, my, my journey from advertising to PR, I think, has been the best thing that has happened to me because advertising taught me more about, uh, you know, how, to, how do we incite well? How do we look at a pro client's problem and look at these insights as a solution to those problems and bringing that base into PR and then applying it to strategy, which can then lead into organic communications for clients, giving organic 
you know, reach for the kind of, uh, you know, uh, programs or for the kind of, uh, you know, communication that the client wants to put out to the world, that bridge became very, very easy. So at one end, there was the client and the client's problem. The other end, there was the insights and how do we use creative and insights to tell a story in PR was, I think, the differentiator for me in terms of how I approached uh, most of the work for my clients. And it proved that, yes, that that approach was working because a lot of clients found value in that. In my journey, there were a lot of firsts that we did for uh, a lot of the clients that we worked on. And I'm very proud of the fact that my team and I uh, were fearless enough to, uh, you know, experiment and to bring ideas that were never really conceptualized as PR ideas earlier. Look at PR beyond just, uh, you know, organic media coverage, but also look at PR hardcore in terms of advocacy, partnerships, in terms of even paid media engagements, even way back, uh, you know, I'm, I'm talking about this about a decade, decade and a half ago, looking at paid collaborations and engagement with media to bring the stories alive. So the entire approach was very integrated with marketing's issue of wanting to solve a problem and then looking at PR as one of the ways in which we can solve the problem more authentically than what advertising can do. So that uh, has, has basically been my entry into PR. In the last one and a half decades that I've been with PR, um, PR has taught me resilience. PR has taught me uh, patience. PR has taught me the ability to be stay calm when there's a crisis. PR has taught me the uh, ability to come back from failure very quickly and to look for a new day in a new way. Uh, and, and all of this, what PR has taught me, has actually also reflected into how uh, I, I lead my life personally as well. And uh, I have evolved so much because of this profession at a personal level in the last decade and a half. Some of the things that I would definitely want to tell people who are in the profession or people who look at joining the profession, this, the strength that you need to be in PR is your mental strength. It's not an easy profession. You need a lot of self-belief. You need a lot of ability to... Uh, take pressure and the ability to stay calm under pressure if you want to really succeed here. But believe me, you do it. And eventually you will realize that probably this is one of the best professions that also makes us into some some of the best, uh, not just professionals, but also human beings. Lovely. Uh, Rekha, I would also like to know what is your, how do you stay calm? You talked about staying calm. Um, it's not an easy profession to stay calm in the middle of. What is your main uh, tip to stay resilient as a leader, especially? I think one is the fact that uh, no two days are the same. If we have gone through a bad day today, definitely there will be something that we can crack out of it at the end of it. Some problems can be solved. Some other problems need to be managed. I think it's very important for us to tell ourselves that we can't avoid a problem. We can't avoid uh, you know, being in a situation where we feel uh, helpless. But what is important is how do we look at those situations? How do we uh, analyze those situations and see, okay, what is the best thing that one can give to make this, uh, you know, to dissipate it from where it is right now? And uh, looking at it logically, looking at it factually, keeping your emotions aside for some time as we are, you know, uh, facing this crisis or facing, a, uh, facing an issue. And uh, looking at it objectively, I think, is one of the best ways in which you can combat with uh, stress. Second is stress is a given. I think it is a given part of life. There are stresses which can be positive and there are stresses which can be negative. If there are negative stressors, I would suggest that please address them, even if it means addressing on a one-to-one -one personal level with individuals who are 
causing that stress, do it because it's better to address it than to allow it to be and then keep building on it till the time comes when you say, I don't want to deal with this anymore and I want to uh, quit because quitting is not an option. So that I think is uh, is the second bit. And third is pursue your passions and hobbies. Uh, work is very important, but so are you. It is very important that you can take some time out for yourself, even if it's a very busy day. A lot of times the pressure on PR professionals is people asking them to do it right here, right now, today. These are terms that come into our lives very, very frequently in any given working day. It's important to go back and actually evaluate whether they're really right here, right now, important, or it's just that an individual is looking at it and making it right here, right now, important. If it isn't, I would suggest very calmly to communicate that, okay, this can even come, uh, you know, a day later and take that time out to spend that time with yourself rather than to work late and try to just address everything that everybody wants because that's not going to make you sustain long in the profession. Um, pursuing passions, everybody will, I mean, most, most people come back and tell me that there's no time to do this. I think time is a very, very, uh, you, you, you find time, you'll find it. You, you seek time and you'll find it. So if it means, if you can get time to, maybe if you're on a WhatsApp chat most times or you're trying to talk to your friends or you're on calls or you're on chat or you're, you're doing any other, uh, you know, if you can pick up the phone and give an instruction in two seconds rather than to chat for five minutes on a, on a written instruction, try and see how you can save time that can save you energy and use the balance of the time to do things that you like to do. In an entire day's work with, Whatever I do, I still do find time to pursue Katakatan as a passion, which is my personal passion. I do find time to catch up with friends. I do find time to read books. And, and I think it's just about finding time. Time is there. We have to find it. Absolutely. I think it's, uh, it's wonderful for younger people to hear this kind of, and younger leaders as well, uh, who can get very pressured to, you know, being all things to all people. Uh, it's very useful to hear these kind of tips. One final question you mentioned, of course, uh, Katakatan and uh, the work that you do with your husband to to save and protect Indian languages and the amount of literature and storytelling that you do. Uh, do tell us a little bit more about it and uh, how it has helped in your larger communication journey. So, yes. So, Katakatan is, uh, is the baby that we actually have given birth to maybe six years ago. Uh, we started off because there's a very fundamental issue about our native languages in India. When we started, we just thought that maybe it's Urdu as a language, which is probably not getting its reasonable, uh, you know, uh, uh, place in the, under the sun. But what we realized is that even South Indian languages, which otherwise we tend to think that South Indian languages must be more protected because people are more, uh, you know, they, they are very, very oriented towards culture and language in the South. And therefore, there would probably be more uh, acceptance of that language. But when we spoke to some of the media, uh, you know, uh, in, in the South as well, and uh, Malayana Manorama, for example, said that they're, run, they're, they're running a uh, campaign called Madhura Malayalam, which is all about bringing the beauty of Malayalam to their audience because they were, they were afraid that if audience stops reading Malayalam, what happens to that publication, which is published in Malayalam? So their, their initiative was to get the youngsters, to get the Gen Z and the youth and, and, and young children back into uh, you know, be, being able to read in Malayalam. And that's when we realized that the problem is not about an Urdu which dominates the northern part of India or a Malayalam which dominates the southern part of India, but it happens to be that all of our native languages have are facing this existential crisis that maybe another few generations down the line, 
we probably will not know how to read or write in our native language, which is where the germinate, we germinated with this idea of starting Kathakathan, where we are on a mission to save Indian languages using literature as a platform. Again, uh, talk to uh, children today in India, and they are very, they can very easily quote from uh, maybe you know certain global writers, and they can talk about English literature. But talk to them about the literatures of India. They talk to them about the last hundred years of some of the greatest writers and poets who've been compared with some of the best global, uh, you know, uh, or or maybe they even surpass certain amounts of uh, writing which 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 we admire of the global writers. Um, they are not even in the uh, anywhere in the radar when it, when they when they quote you know authors or they quote stories or they quote philosophies, and this is because we probably don't take as much pride in our legacy as as the Western world does and preserves. And therefore, this is one way of using literature as a platform, bringing alive all of that repository of fantastic writing uh, that, that, that India has across different languages, bringing to the fore, bringing to the front the writers who've written some of the most timeless stories, which were relevant maybe 100 years ago and are as relevant today. And how do we reintroduce all of this to this generation that we're talking about. So that's what we do in Kathakathan. And uh, we, we do something which we have, uh, our, our, we have a style, which we, a signature style, which we call as dramatized reading. We call it as the audio theater. So we perform stories by reading stories out of books, exactly the way the writer has written it, the author has written it, without any changes to language or any simplification, and communicate exactly what the authors try to kind of do. So we've been doing this through live performances, through social media, a lot of uh, Zoom performances during the pandemic, Clubhouse as a platform where we were doing audio theater on an audio medium. Uh, and now because we can uh, we can do live performances, we also are doing shows at uh, Prithvi uh, Theater in Bombay. So that's a little bit about uh, Kathakasan. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's my uh, passion after work. So I have two jobs in a day. One is the job, which is which is what I do at Zeno, the other is what I do at Kathakathan. In terms of how has it helped, storytelling is the essence of PR. So when I'm telling stories, or when, when I'm listening to stories that are from last hundred years of some beautiful literature in the country, it gives you plots, it gives you thinking, it gives you alternative thinking, it gives you uh, you know context, it gives you human emotions, a lot of which we actually pump back in terms of how we ideate how we uh, construct those ideas in terms of a story when we're pitching it to the client or when we're pitching an idea internally or, uh, you know, even, even the art of telling stories with modulation, with voice modulation, with diction, with, with so many other elements that come in this entire audio theater experience. It, it helps me greatly and it kind of, you know, helps me uh, also probably to some extent do my job a little better. That is uh, wonderful to hear about the work that you've, effort and work and I've been uh, lucky enough to listen to some of those uh, narrations especially uh, you know Munshi Premchand's famous story Idga and I can tell you uh, to all of you who are listening it's really worth your while to check it out it's it's absolutely a wonderful way to spend an evening so do check it out uh, with that we come to the end of this podcast uh, my takeaways uh, from this is that uh, storytelling itself is so diverse and um, no effort in storytelling is really lost. One actually leads into the other, into the other. It all becomes a wonderful experience, a renaissance of storytelling for the person who's able to look at all these streams. I think that's a lesson 
for me which i've learned from you rekha that be wide open to all kinds of storytellings um, your resilience tips have been fabulous uh, keep calm uh, push back when when you can everything is uh, you know need not be done uh, right now and i also loved your uh, the way you've outlined uh, the importance of esg uh, in today's world uh, thank you rekha that was rekha rao managing director of sino india on the pr moment leadership podcast thank you thank rekha you. thank you so much thank you parul and thank you pr moment for doing this and uh, uh, until we meet again